When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster, and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Oh, brother! Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, great comic, killer impressionist, finally got him on the show, J.L. Covan. We're going to be talking to J.L. in just a sec. But first, time for the Waterhouse Update, brought to you by Wheels on Meals. Meals that are run over and then delivered right to your door. NFL Week 1, Packers look less prepared than a raw carrot. Aaron Rodgers demands Jake from State Farm be hired as a sideline coach. The Rams, like Rachel Ray with a plate of fried raviolis, they just keep coming at you. Bears Andy Dalton, frontrunner for the NFL's Pete Best Award. Las Vegas squeezed by Baltimore like a fat guy getting out of a booth at Romano's Macaroni Grill. And finally, the Jacksonville Jaguars applying for one of those SEC openings. That wrap-up sponsored by Jekyll and Hyde and Seek. Old game, scary new twist. College football, USC fires head coach Clay Helton. Front runner to replace him, one of Lori Laughlin's daughters. Don't know which one. Texas got spanked like a frat pledge in Animal House. Trailing at the half, Texas A&M tried to abort their offensive game plan, but Governor Greg Abbott vetoed it. And Iowa beat Iowa State for the coveted I lost my arm in a combine accident trophy. That item sponsored by Zigzag Zit Cream. Your zits will never see it coming. Serpentine with Zigzag Zit Cream. America's pastime. No, not napping while unproven technology drives your car. Baseball! Derek Jeter inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. His little black book enshrined at the Bronx Spearmint Rhino. That item sponsored by Bar Soap. Wash that bar smell on you with Bar Soap. Tennis! U.S. Open Championship. Daniel Medvedev beat Novak Djokovic. By one vowel. What happened to guys named Stan Smith, for God's sake? <laughs> and finally, this week in sports history, the date 1991, the place Toronto, Canada. Joe Carter becomes the only baseball player with 100 RBIs in three consecutive seasons for three different teams Cleveland, San Diego, and Toronto, proving Joe Carter was an unbelievable baseball player and apparently had horrible breath. This Waterhouse Update sponsored by Blah Blah Blah, the app that listens to the boring part of the conversation for you. Now, finally, it's talk time. My guest today, hilarious comic whose killer impressions range vocally and politically from Donald Trump to Andrew Cuomo, a guy who gave up a career in law 
and climbed that barely half rung up on the morality ladder to comedy. JL Covan, JL, how are you today? Great to be here, Chad. Thank you for uh, for having me. You look fantastic. Now let's talk a little about you. You're born and 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 raised in New York City, correct? Correct. You got Irish Haitian, Irish mom, Haitian Haitian dad. Uh, this is a, they don't even have a parade for this yet in New York City. That's how rare this combination is. No, it is. It's it's very rare. Although uh, people, you know, there's a level of surprise that you still get that feels somewhat offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ri- huh? <laughs> it's like, well, they're both countries and human beings. It, it, you know, so it's, it's it's a it's it's possible. Especially in a place like New York, where you have a large Haitian is that and Irish officially community. black? I do. What can what do we say to him? What's insulted? I don't know anymore. So yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah. I don't either. I don't either. My next special that I'm taping is actually called Half Blackface. So uh, you know that should at least get some triggers on the social media algorithm. <laughs> sure. I think. Let's hope so. <laughs> and that's not a joke. That really is going to be the name. <laughs> that's fantastic. Now, what is your rooting history in New York? A lot of folks tend the ten, the lines tend to be Jets, Mets, Giants, Yanks, and then uh, everybody kind of roots. Uh, well, nobody kind of roots for the Rangers or Islanders. But you know, it's hockey. But wh- where do you fall? Do you mix families there? How do you do that? Yeah, it's uh, I a uh, lo- lifelong Yankee fan. That's probably the first team that I ever, you know, that's the first sporting stuff I remember, three, four years old, like watching the Yankees go into a game. Um, but then I get very weird, and I think it was my desire to be unique or something because – Yeah, you're not unique team, enough. As right, a, right. <laughs> six, six, seven, half Haitian, half Irish guy. But how will I stand out <laughs> um, was um, – I, I started, my brother was a, my older brother was a big Fairweather fan uh, in the seventies of the Steelers. So I came along, oh, shit. they just oh. finished winning four titles when I was born. So I was just like, <laughs> ah, follow him. I'll, I'll go with him. And then, you know, then they turned out to be all right for about a decade. And then basketball is where I'm the most weird. Uh, 34 years, a Utah jazz fan. Sure. <laughs> sure. I think it's the magnetism of John Stockton. He's irresistible. It is. Well, I, I, I tell people, I go, I think what it came, you know, my parents, they never got divorced, though they probably should have. Um, but, you know, when you grow up biracial and you see that much interracial conflict in your home on a daily basis, <laughs> I looked at Stockton and Malone. I go, hey, look, the little Irish Catholic guy and the giant black dude, they're getting along great. So why don't they're surrogate hoops parents? They're sure. harmony. Harmony on the court, if not in the home. <laughs> Bring a little of that peacefulness into the kitchen, mom and dad. For hey, incidentally, jail sponsored by Sliver City, the lumber yard that's in a hurry. So now, then, we got your pro affiliate, and then you went to Williams College, the Fighting Fs, You know, you're at a nerdy school when your <laughs> Matt when your name is just a shortened name of your school's founder, Ephraim Williams. They're like, wow, what should we be? How about the Eves? <laughs> yeah, that is not I, I don't know if I would attend Williams for creative writing, if that's no. the best they could come up with for a nickname. Right. And it's and the mascot, though, is the very intimidating purple cow. Yeah. If if whatever the. Yeah, how do you, boy, who crawled into that outfit, really, at the Williams College uh, hoops? It was, uh, 
if I, I do remember, it was a woman. A woman was the mascot when I was a freshman. Um, I don't know if you could do that nowadays, uh, just politically. I'm not sure that you could climb into a, uh, well, let me see if it was a, uh, uh, if it was a bull, no. If it was a cow, then I don't think you get washed out in a hashtag. I think you're still fine. Although you could say, you know, then it becomes a question of her agency. Is she choosing to be a cow or are you labeling her a cow, which is, which was be demeaning? She's uh, identifying as a smelly mascot costume. Exactly. <laughs> but Williams, you got Pulitzer winners and you got uh, Rhodes Scholars and Nobel winners. George uh, Steinbrenner but- as well, which I only learned when I was applying. So there's wow. the Yankee connection. Yeah, that's the, that's the only way you're going to learn that uh, at, <laughs> at Williams. They're not, yeah, they're not uh, chiseling that into a piece of granite on campus anywhere. Trust me. I, I will tell you, though, there was a funny story I heard from a friend who had tried to get an internship with the Red Sox, like in the early 2000s, when I think Dan Duquette, who was an Amherst grad, was somebody involved there. I think I may be messing right. this up, but they applied for the job and whoever was at the Red Sox said, why don't you hit up your buddy Steinbrenner as a literally like an Amherst, go F yourself, go work for the team run by a Williams grad. Wow. That's frightening. Sponsored incidentally by Fluow, Hawaii's strongest cold medicine. What is your best athletic moment? Could have happened at Williams? Could have happened uh, as an eight-year-old? Any Think back. What is the moment when you thought, yeah, I got this. That should have been on film. Uh, that is, was brilliant. It is. It is. the That's the easiest question because I literally have one sports highlight in my entire <laughs> life. So it's, it's in the it's running unopposed. Um, it was the final minute of my basketball career at Williams, which was fairly uneventful. I came from a very crappy a private school program. So I was like playing catch up my first two years of college basketball, just to be on, on the level, but I had a growth spurt. I filled out from like a bean pole to a, you know, being like the strongest guy on the team. And, but I've warmed the bench most of my career. I was like a sixth, seventh man, my senior year, but generally very disappointed in my entire career. <laughs> and I'm going, why didn't I study abroad? Why that, why, why did I why? give up my college experience to be like, <laughs> the world's most jacked bench warmer. And with a minute left, all five seniors are on the court for our, you know, little final moment. It's been a relatively disappointing season. And I get a pass from uh, one of my teammates, Andrew, and go up and dunk it on a dude and get an and one with about 58 seconds left in my career. It's my one highlight, but the worst part of it was I had not missed a free throw my entire career. I was a robust 14 for 14 going to the final. Oh no, the pressure bricked it. So my (laughs) final moment, my real final moment was ruining my Steve Nash esque percentage at the foul line. Wow. Um, But yeah, it was, there was a whole lot of drama. And I've always said who had the better ending to their career relatively Michael Jordan, who simply won a sick, well, that wasn't the end end of his career, but right. He won a sixth championship on a, on, a, on a shot with three seconds left. Okay, ho-hum, been there, done that. Or bench warmer who's done nothing and with one minute left in his entire collegiate career, dunks it on some dude who, by the way, whoever he was, it was his fifth foul of his senior year. So, so he's out. His, he might have killed himself because his <laughs> final moment in college basketball 
was being the Craig Elo to my division three <laughs> bench <Sure>. warmer, Michael <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> and then eventually you sort of eloed yourself at the end with the, yeah. with the missed free throws. Oh, so. Yeah. Yeah. No. So it, it all came around very quickly. <laughs> yeah. Even schadenfreude is confused on this. Who do I, <laughs> how do I brought to you incidentally by AutoZone. Find out what you ought to do from the know-it-alls at AutoZone. Now, Georgetown law school. Yes. Uh, Largely as a cover, I'm guessing, so that you could do stand-up. You finished. You finished law school, but almost immediately upon setting foot into D.C., you you, you were drawn by stand-up. Did you have to do it? Was it an intellectual choice or was it a gut feeling? Uh, it was I needed a hobby because I had not diagnosed myself in <laughs> law school, but looking back, it was clearly depression. Uh, which law school will do that to you. Yeah, um, sure. I just remember going, this is weird. Usually I don't stay in bed till 11 a.m. when I have classes at 8.30. <laughs> and so I, so my girlfriend at the time, who was a medical student in Ohio, she wanted me to see a therapist, but she knew I was like averse. To I was like, I'm just like bummed out. I don't sure. know that. You so don't she, come from an ethnic background that encourages psychoanalysis. Irish. No, I, I, I always say, right, a working class <laughs> Irish woman born in 44 and a man from Haiti born in 31, not the time out kind of parenting, not the touchy feely. Let's really examine what's going on here. I would call it more the shake it off parenting. And if you don't shake it off, I will shake you to get it <laughs> yes. off. But she called a priest. I'm, I'm, I'm Catholic. And she called a priest at Georgetown to Shocker. come see me. So much like Father Marin showing up to the house in The Exorcist, here comes Father Jim. And we struck up this kind of like weekly lunch to just talk things out. And then it came, we came to the conclusion I sort of needed a hobby. I think that was his way of saying, uh, you're boring me. Can you find someone else to listen to your, to your garbage? And I just, after my second year of law school, I started going to open mics in D.C. And I just, I knew I'd been funny to my friends, but it was really just something that piqued my interest. And right. nowadays in comedy, I see so many people going, yeah, I really want to try stand-up. And as the funny guy among my friends, I never had that idea of like, I'm, I'm going to do this because I'm going to be so funny. <laughs> I was like very nervous. Like, I don't know if right. this translates, but I, I'd like to try. And from there, it was uh, just another 16 years of hardship. I sure. often call comedy uh, <laughs> law school was like my heroin addiction and comedy was like my methadone addiction. So it sort wow. of just replaced yeah. the despair. Sure. <laughs> How bad is your depression when a priest says, you know, you should probably try psychoanalysis. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, Sponsored the Lord is not a miracle worker. <laughs> yeah, right. Sponsored by throwbacks. The e-cigarette you light with a match. So now what did your Irish mom and your Haitian dad say when you tossed your law degree in the gutter like an empty go-gurt tube? What? <laughs> that must have driven them insane. Well, I, I didn't. That was the thing. I was, I was You did, a- yeah. You did go to, you were a DA in the Bronx, right. which is. More like MMA fighting than law, I would imagine. Yeah, it's, it's law and order with the SAP button <laughs> pressed on the uh, remote. But it was one of those, it, it was the kind of thing where I had, 
I had no expectations. That's the fun thing when you start out in comedy. Maybe not today. Maybe you think you're going to have a hit podcast and be a, an, right. a, an influencer. But I was just like, I am enjoying this as like an outlet. Yeah. And then I got a late night credit like within four years of, of, uh, of doing. And I think that gave my parents who would have been very cautious. It gave the, 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 the crime of that was not the false hope it gave me. It was the false hope it gave my parents who would have been those voices going, do not leave the law. Are you insane? It's called money. It's called health insurance. It's called happiness. Even if you don't think you're happy, you don't know unhappy until you really know unhappy. And those and- are two ethnic groups that know unhappy. <laughs> exactly. So it was one of those things where I think seeing me on TV, justifiably, one would think, you know, oh, wow, he was great. And that's like, that's a big deal. Um, and then it was, uh, you know, nine years till I was on TV again, uh, Byron Allen's Comics Unleashed. So sure. we're putting an asterisk on that. That's like Ichiro's <laughs> hits in Japan. We can't really count them towards American TV credits, but, you know, something. <laughs> Sponsored by Bananas, the banana guaranteed to ripen tomorrow. Hey, listen, now it's time I do this with an important special guest. It's for a time for advice corner, a little wisdom from one of the best working comics out there, J.L. Covan. I'm going to ask you like five actual, like legitimate questions. You never know when the young kids, what they're listening to. They might be listening and thinking, hey, maybe I got a career in comedy. Let's see if we can't help them out or something. All right, question number one when do you know you've got an impression right where you want it how long do you work on it till you get it because you've done like i say everybody from from trump on like when did you know you had trump name well the the funny thing about trump was it was actually for a corolla video i corolla had been talking about trump he sometimes brought him up but this is back in 2014 and i kind of did a trump just kind of thinking about it I look back at that video at the time. I was like, I have a pretty good Trump. I look back at it. It's awful, but, but it's all relative. Trump was sure. not in the, in the, right. Media. It wasn't in the zeitgeist. Okay. Yeah. And then I started doing a podcast as Trump in 2017. And I was like, Oh, well now I have it. Now I've got it. I didn't. <laughs> wow. It was, it wasn't until 2018. It's a weird thing. And I think it's a lot. Impressions can sometimes be like jokes. You have a version that you're happy with, but you'll look back three years later and you'll be like, wow, I added like four tags to that. I added right. this and that. And now the joke is so much. I wish I could re-record it on an album because it's right. so much better. The Trump impression, especially because it's been so, I've used it so much and picked up on so many nuances that it really took much longer than I expected because he was so present that it had to keep getting better or else there would have been other people leaving me in right, the dust right. because there was a lot of competition. So it took me... I thought I had it in six months. It probably took me like four years till I really actually had the current sort of iteration. So So most of the time it does not take that long. (laughs) As Trump, (laughs) tell us that four-year journey. (laughs) So we have a sort of failed comedian. You've been talking, I think you've been talking to him too much, to be honest. And he had no idea what he was doing. He was, you know, very fast. He was talking very fast, you know, cause I used to sort of be very strong with the New York attitude. And, but when you look back at it, he wasn't calm enough. You know, he didn't have the rally. He didn't have, there's my African American. He didn't have all the nuance. You know, the nuance. They're called nuances. Okay. You probably don't even know that word. 
but they're called nuances and I call nuances the N-word. Okay. You gotta have <laughs> Still, and so eventually, you know, he saw me on TV so much. He couldn't stop watching me. He was like the fake news. He kept seeing, and, and he pretended to not like me, but he kept watching. Okay. And then I would say, around 2018, even though it was still a very bad impression. Okay. I think anybody can tell you that. I think by then he had sort of stopped sucking at it and had sort of become <laughs> media. We'll call him mediocre. How about that? That's top of the heap for Donald Trump. That's a compliment. Let's move on to question number two. Key nowadays to balancing everything that a stand-up has, has to do. Stand-up's hard enough. Now you got to do stand-up. You, you got to write it. You got to perform it. You got to have a podcast or some sort of blog or something going on. And then you got to manage half your business, at least, on, on social media. How do you carve up that? T- yeah, are you ever sitting there going, are you jumping from Twitter over to Facebook and you're going, damn, you know what? Maybe I should write a joke today. It Does it get that bad? It, it, I, yes, I think so, because I, I wish, even though it would make me 20 years older and I don't know, you know, at my size, I don't know how much life I have, I have to live. I'd love, <laughs> I'd love to be like Bill Russell or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but beyond them, you don't see a lot of 88 year old six, <laughs> nine dudes walking around. So like the dinosaurs, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if I could, I would go back and be somebody who started comedy in like 1988. You know, <laughs> just just so I could have hit my sort of 10 year stride before YouTube, Twitter, because I feel like my stand up chops have always been my strongest thing and the thing that I worked on the hardest. Right. But now it becomes, uh, oh, you, we got to oh, look, you went viral on Twitter. Now you got to like cater to that audience and give them short jokes and they like your right. impressions. So they're not as interested in. Yeah. So it becomes you become somebody managing like four different businesses that you're trying to interconnect, but sometimes don't want to interconnect. It's like, Hey guys, I have a new album out. So (laughs) when's the, (laughs) when are you giving me nine more free things a day that I can, that I can enjoy? And I also, I like your podcast, but I'm not big into stand up. It's like, okay, then you're also quasi useless to me. (laughs) it, It all adds to the same pot, but you're like, Hey, I have these 150,000 followers and now I have to try to convert half of these people. You know, you're like a, you're yeah. like a, like a, you're like a, a Muslim in prison, just trying to, <laughs> you've got all these bodies, but not all of them seem to want to accept Allah. And that's how I sort of feel with my comments. Like you like the impressions, but I'm also doing this and I'm not going to travel the country doing voices entirely. There's a whole right. other, sure. a whole other uh, JL Colvin. Right. If I edit it right. And uh, that might be the soundbite on social media. Just you talking about a lot. If I can <laughs> question number three, good tip for someone juggling a real job and a comedy career. Cause you did them simultaneously for a while. You were uh, like, I say, be in the, in the Bronx. That's, that's not, that's a job. Uh, you know, that's not just, uh, I can, you know, send in some stuff from home. So what would be a tip for someone? Cause there's a lot of people out there probably now clinging to a job because they need to make money for themselves or a family and also trying to explore some potential in standup. I'm going to depress everyone listening who like, and maybe you're protecting my image as like this newfound comedy swan emerging from the ugly duckling of my usual career. I still have a job with a law firm. 
because I was burned 11 years ago during the financial crisis. I had some money in the bank. I had my late night credit, which was pretty fresh. And I got laid off like a lot of people. But I said, oh, no, no, no. This is a sign. I'm going for it. (laughs) Three years later, I was doing part-time work in my mom's office just to get some money because I was not ready to go back to a full-time job. And I thought I need the flexibility. Right. So I... I had a very good year in 2020, which is always a very weird thing to tell people. Uh, but I am afraid. I am like burned, you know, once bitten, right. twice shy. So I have been working on average, probably like 14 to 15 hours a day for the last like year and a half, which has been good. It's given me financial peace of mind, but I want to do comedy full time. I And most people think, just assume I am because I'm, I'm having some success, but right. I want career success, which means having an infrastructure, whether that means representation or a right. tour, things that kind of say, okay, now it's time to take the leap. But um, my advice would be, if you are in this position, which I am, <laughs> is uh, try to be single while you do it. And this is no knock. I have a girlfriend (laughs) with her and she was phenomenal during COVID because of the amount of stress that I was under with just the the stress everyone was under, but also trying to resurrect and keep building this comedy career that had an an unbelievable boost and working a day job that you at least know. I compare the day job, sorry to make a reference, an old reference to Teen Wolf, the two women in Teen Wolf. You got Pamela (laughs) Wells, that's comedy. You think she's hot, but then you look at her and you go, you're kind of just a tall, generic blonde with kind of a sneer on your face. (laughs) And then you got Boof that everybody's like, oh, Boof is just the cute neighbor. But in my opinion, Boof is the catch. She's a little freaky. She's cute. She got the little Dorothy Hamill look. And (laughs) the day job feels like Boof sometimes where I go, I know I'm not appreciating you that much, but you know what? I know what it's like not to have that steady income and that health insurance. Sure. So, and so nowadays, why not? You, uh, you know, why not balance the two? If you're willing to budget your time, manage your time and work a 15 hour day, uh, do them both until one, right. uh, you know, comes. But it can it's create like, stress uh, on those in your like the stress was going to be on me, but it can create a kind of hostile uh, living environment sometimes where you're like, just shut up. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing right now. My career, I thought my career was dead and I'm also going to get fired from this law job. So I don't know what's happening. And now both of them are doing well and I'm going out of my mind. That's pretty I have money and I'm doing nothing with it. You're the Shohei Otani of uh, comedy law, or as oh. I like to say, as I like to say, <laughs> show hey Tani. All right. Uh, as Andrew Cuomo, your secret travel tip, you travel a lot. You do a lot of road work. Uh, everybody's got a little tip that's kind of hidden, but share it with us. What do you do that uh, maybe uh, isn't, isn't a main tip, like use your miles for upgrading or crap like that. What's a little tip you do when you travel that day you could share with us as Andrew Cole. Uh, sure. Uh, when you are traveling, uh, I prefer to fly. Obviously we have many forms of transportation in our country. Uh, but I prefer to fly. And what I do is I get on the flight early and I make friends with the flight attendant. Okay. Preferably, you know, they have men and women flight attendants, but I gravitate usually to the 
a younger female persuasion, you know, because I have daughters, so I relate to them well. It's a very Italian-American thing to do. Well, it's part of my culture, but uh, I will, you know, ask for a drink and then maybe gently put my hand on her hip to let her know that I'm uh, a friend, not a, not an adversary. You know, I'm not going to be one of these people who chokes you out in the aisle over masks. <laughs> Unless she wants to be choked, you know, because sure. I'm, I'm in the people pleasing business. Uh, but then, you know, if things uh, get going in a positive direction, I'll ask her if she'd like to uh, step into my office while I'm getting into the bathroom and uh, perhaps uh, join a uh, Governor Mile High Club. So it's, uh, you know, and that can make a flight if you're nervous about flying, obviously. Sure, you know, that'll settle a, somebody down. Yeah. Uh, having, yeah, having a sexual release <laughs> with a friendly young woman in the friendly skies can really put you at ease. Thank you, Governor Cuomo. Last question in the advice corner. You're in a bar fight, J.L. Calvin. You can only pick one person to help you get out of this fight, to help you fight your way out of this fight. Do you take Colin Quinn or Amy Schumer? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, you know what? If I'm in a bar fight, it's probably somebody who, you know, if you read enough social media, probably wants to take a swing at Amy Schumer for some <laughs> irrational, misogynistic reason. So I'm going to go with Colin Quinn. He at least has the demeanor of an Irish brawler, even if even if <laughs> I'm the actual fight. muscle in that equation. But maybe maybe I can stand in front of him and he can look sort of like the intimidating Pete Postlewaite from you know sure. from the town type character. Yeah, he can do that. That's a smart move. Sponsored by Slacker Barrel. Come on in and eat, or don't. We don't really care. Now it's time. Oh, we're segueing from the advice corner right to the fiery four. J.L. Covan, these are four sports questions ripped from today's newspapers. If anybody bothered to read newspapers anymore, let's go. Question number one Who's pulling it together faster, the Giants or the Jets? It looked like the Giants last year, but they stumbled pretty badly Sunday, and the Jets actually look pretty good who's gonna who's gonna make the playoffs first out of these two teams uh i'm gonna say the jets i maybe that's just me being sympathetic i've always had more <laughs> sympathy for their fan base because giants fans can have five bad seasons in a row and then they go one and oh and they go it's our year whereas jet fans <laughs> i think it. have been so humbled that you're sort of like like Theon in Game of Thrones, where you're like, all right, yeah, you were a jerk, but you've been dickless for three seasons. I guess I can root for you again. <laughs> sure, why not? Sponsored by Estrogen, the Estrogen <laughs> for men. Number two, who's making the playoffs sooner again, the Yankees or the Mets? And here's the, it would be easy if they were playing head up. Uh, you'd go Yankees, but Yankees in a much tougher division. Mets damn near snuck through this year under 500. Almost took the, if Atlanta doesn't get hot and get to 10 over, which ain't crap. So who in these two divisions competitively, who's going to, who's going to make it first? Uh, I, 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 the, the Yankees have been like whiplash this year. I mean, they went on like a 13 game winning streak and then gave it all away in the next yeah. like 11 games. But I have confidence in my six, seven uh, biracial uh, brother, Aaron Judge. 
So sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna still say the Yankees, even though they've given me very little to be super confident about. True Yankee fan, sponsored by Obvious Skate, great skateboard park. Unclear where it is. Number three, will the Utah Jazz be able to make a deeper run into the playoffs and maybe even win the NBA? They have the talent. Can they put it together headspace-wise as a small market team, use Milwaukee as their model, and, and, and win the NBA crown? Deeper run, yes, because I think I'm saying it right here. I think the Western Conference Finals will be Lakers Jazz. So that would technically be a deeper run. Right. But I am a little nervous with the Lakers. But with an old team, you can have injuries. But I think the Jazz will have to have some good luck. And unlike last year where they had bad luck with Conley getting injured. Um, I The bet I am placing uh, is Donovan Mitchell for MVP. He's a plus He's like a plus 3,000, I want to say, on some site. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to give any kind of gambling Sure, talk. he can say anything. <laughs> but um, He can swear and talk gambling. I think he's going to have the kind of season where it's like he's been disrespected long enough. Like I think he's a first-tier star, but he kind of gets treated like a second-tier, and I think that's all because he's in Utah. Right. So I will say they will make a deeper run. I'd like to say they can win it, but I don't think they can beat I don't think they would beat a healthy Lakers and then like a healthy Nets. I just right. don't, I don't, I'd love them to do that, but I think you're going to need luck there, but I will say a deeper run because I think they will make the conference finals. And you know, the, 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 uh, the age thing causes both injuries and just plain old forgetfulness. A lot of guys in the Lakers, 50, 60 years old, they're just going to sure. forget how to run the box and run. They don't know anymore. They can't remember sponsored incidentally by Airbnb. It's not an app. It's just a crowbar. Number four, <laughs> bigger pain in the ass event living in New York City, the New York City Marathon or the U.S. Open at Flushing Meadows? Oh, well, I used to live in Midtown. Uh, so I, the, the marathon, you, you, I'd be going to like my gym on First Avenue and then go, oh, I guess I'm not going to the gym today. A bunch of chafe nipples and people throwing water <laughs> all over the place. Whereas uh, the U.S. Open, I love the U.S. Open. And it's, uh, you know, I could get the train early enough in the route yeah. or I'd get a seat. So for me, U.S. Open, not inconvenient at all. Marathon, very inconvenient. Sponsored by U-Drive, the app that lets you rent your own car to take you wherever you want to go. My guest today, the amazing J.L. Covan. Follow him on Twitter at J.L. Covan. That's C-A-U-V-I-N. Those you don't have any Creole in you. Hey, where can we see you now? Because uh, you're at, are, are you getting out? Are you doing dates? I what's am. Co- I, I, what's coming up for you? Dates. Thank you. Uh, I'm at Helium in Philadelphia on uh, September 26th. Uh, Raleigh, North Carolina at Good Nights on October 6th. And I'm recording uh, my special half blackface at uh, the Triad Theater in New York City on October 23rd. So all dates and I'm adding some dates. I'm, I'm talking to a club in L.A. to come out there early 2022. So uh, just jlcomedy.com is my website that has all my social links, beautiful links, et cetera. So thank you very much. Jlcomedy.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. So oh, there you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've broken it down like many of the major corporations now to just initials. 
Well, it was, it was one of those things when I first started, I made my name everything. Cause I was like, well, it's branding, right? I want people to know my name. And then you realize <laughs> nobody's spelling your name correctly. So uh, 12 years into my career, I bought the domain jlcomedy.com, which thankfully was available. And uh, so now I can direct people there. And then they go, how do you spell comedy? And I go, I don't want you as a fan. (laughs) (laughs) JL, thank you so much for coming on. Folks, go out and see him. It's definitely worth it. Thanks for coming on, JL. Thank you, Chet. Pleasure. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse and my comedian buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. His album, What Was I Thinking? Streaming everywhere. The Play With Pain Mugs or up on the Jeff Cesario site. That's the only uh, uh, marketing uh, uh, stuff I have to sell. Anyway, uh, thanks to all of you loyal Play With Pain uh, listeners. Love doing this for you. Tell your friends to come on out. We're having a fun. Every week, PWP's a a ton of fun. Uh, If you want more of me this weekend, I'll be in Commode, Washington, calling the Homemade Catapult Invitational for the Catastrophe Network, sponsored by Jehovah's Witness Protection. Disappear into the warm grip of the Lord at Jehovah's Witness (laughs) Protection. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.